Hello and welcome to this evidence-based nursing podcast. My name is Ben Parkinson and I'm a senior lecturer of nursing at Glasgow Caledonian University in Scotland and I'm also the new deputy editor with evidence-based nursing. This is the first time I've hosted an evidence-based nursing podcast and I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Kimberly O'Sullivan from New Zealand. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about a commentary written by Kimberly, which was published recently in the Evidence-Based Nursing and is available on the Evidence-Based Nursing website. There is a link in the description below to the commentary we are discussing today, so you are welcome to go and access the commentary there. So firstly, let's welcome Kimberly to the podcast. It's great to have you here today and thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and speak to us about this important topic. It'd be really good perhaps if you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your professional background. Thanks Ben, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, so I'm a social scientist and public health researcher and my research primarily explores the critical health impacts of energy poverty. The goal of my work is to help reduce health inequity through promoting universal access to healthy home environments. Okay, great. That sounds really interesting area of work. So what was your sort of main focus at the moment uh, with your work? Yeah, so most of the research that I'm working on at the moment is focused on working with our community partners to understand the physical and uh, mental health impacts as well of the interventions that they are undertaking to improve housing quality and reduce energy poverty. So there's kind of two main things that we're looking for to, and the first is kind of to help our partners understand what's working well so that they can strengthen their interventions and achieve their aspirations for helping their communities. And the other is to give it gather evidence about pathways through which cold housing is harming mental health in particular. Okay, so yeah, it sounds sounds like your area of work is really linked to the to the topic that I guess we're we're talking about today. The the, the commentary that you, that you published with evidence based nursing um, really focused on uh, a piece of primary research that had been published by um, Dr. Amy Clare and also Dr. Emma Baker. And this this paper was um, published in Social Science and Medicine Journal in twenty twenty two, and. Uh, like your like your area of expertise, it really looked at the link between cold homes and mental health. So it might be useful for the listeners if, if maybe if you could provide a bit of a, a brief overview of, of the research that you focused on in the commentary. Yeah, so this um, really interesting paper, Cold Homes and Mental Health Harm, evidence from the UK longitudinal study that doctors Claire and Baker have written, was really yeah, like you said, zeroing in on understanding the links between cold homes and uh, mental health outcomes. So what they've done is they've used the 12-item general health questionnaire um, from the UK Household Longitudinal Study data sets, and then they've um, tracked the progression of those that had good mental health scores of 0 to 3, and then those that were experiencing mental health symptoms with scores of four to six in an initial survey wave. And then they had a look at later survey waves to see who had moved into scores of kind of highly symptomatic and substantial mental distress at later survey waves. And what they were able to do was to 
link that with a question around whether you are able to keep your home warm, whether you can afford to keep your home warm. Yeah, okay. So it's, they, were, they were using uh, data from the UK to, to do this sort of work, were they? Yeah, that's right. Similar work has been done before using the um, HILDA data set, the Household Income and Labour Dynamics in Australia data set. So um, it's a, a similar kind of study to that one. Yeah, great. So it sounds like it's work that's happening across the globe, really, in some respects. There's a lot of interest in this um, across the globe, which is important, I guess. In terms of key findings from the study, what, what do you think are the, the, the main findings uh, that they, they came up with? Yeah, so the, the study found that there were significant inequalities in exposure to cold housing. So they looked at kind of who, who was exposed first off, and they found that women, single adults, lone parents, black respondents, unemployed, and people who were living with long-term illness or disability, as well as those living in social rental um, tenancies and also the private rental sector, and anybody who was reporting their financial situation was very difficult. All of those people were more at risk of living in cold homes. But I think the really critical thing is that the study found that becoming unable to keep the home adequately warm between survey waves was associated with a statistically significant increase in the odds of reporting severe mental distress. So for those that had good mental health initially, the odds of reporting severe mental stress after they became unable to keep the home adequately warm was almost doubled, even when you controlled for all of the confounding variables. And among those who were already experiencing mental health distress initially, the odds of severe mental distress were more than tripled when they became unable to heat their homes, even after they've added in control variables to the study. So it sounds like quite a strong, a strong finding, really, that from the, from the paper. That's right. And I think the reason that this is concerning is obviously in the context of the global environment at the moment and the increasing pressure on households to be able to afford things like home heating, which is often one of the things that people drop out to enable them to afford groceries and things like that. It's, it's, it tends to be one of those things that people cut back on quite quickly um, when they come under financial pressure. So I think to be able to see that if you become unable to afford home heating, you're going to have increased risk of mental distress, I think is a really important finding at this stage. Mm, yeah, absolutely. It's got huge sort of ramifications for public health and, and, and well-being, hasn't it really? That's right, yeah. So in terms of, um, were, there, were there sort of key take-home messages that you think um, the listeners should, should sort of tune into um, with regards to this commentary and the, the paper itself? Yeah, so I think, um, again, in the context of the, the current pressures on cost of living um, across a number of countries, I think that it's important to remember that kind of any intervention, even relatively small interventions that improve housing quality or energy affordability so that people can keep warm at home has a good chance of improving health and mental health outcomes. So I think that's a really important kind of policy and practice finding. And it, it adds strength to things like giving winter fuel subsidies or other discounts to enable people to keep warm at home. Yeah, so I'm, you know, I think that's a really important sort of take-home message, isn't it, about that that link and what what strategies we can maybe use to help people in this situation to try and mitigate some of those, I guess, housing issues that could impact on mental health. 
And I'm just wondering, I'm thinking about, obviously, a lot of our listeners will be coming from a nursing perspective. So I'm just wondering what there might be in terms of nursing implications, I'm thinking. And it's obviously about, I guess, identifying, I would assume, it might be about identifying those people who are vulnerable and in living in cold homes and perhaps are cutting back on heating costs to make sure that they're, that won't then have an impact on their mental health. That's right. So I think for the nursing community, if they are able to identify those people that are at risk of being cold at home, um, and maybe if there's a possibility of linking them in with services that can perhaps help with improving home insulation or help with energy costs or energy efficiency measures at home, those kind of support services will have a big impact on people's well-being at home. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a lot. So like a multi-pronged attack, isn't it, really, to try and support people in this position, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I think it also um, kind of helps with the argument for environmental health and, and what's happening at home being a piece of the puzzle for the health sector to work in as well, that, you know, people's home environment is where they spend their most time. So um, if we want to do primary prevention stuff, then we should be helping to improve people's home environment. Yeah, absolutely. So it's about seeing it as a joined up system, isn't it, really, with all these different components that are going to be needed to be addressed, I guess, to try and improve the situation. Yeah. I'm also interested, obviously, I know this is this is definitely your, your sort of area of expertise. And I guess I'm wondering whether you had any other thoughts about this topic or perhaps how this this work might inform or impact on the work that you're involved with at the moment? Yeah, so I guess, um, again, it's just another thing that adds to the knowledge that what we are doing, even relatively small interventions to improve people's home quality, is having an impact. And I guess I can give an example from Aotearoa, New Zealand, where we have um, Te Whatu Ora, our health sector here, is actually helping to support and enable community interventions called the Healthy Homes Initiatives. And so these operate in different regions of our country and in each place the interventions that they offer are slightly different, but they will be things like maybe improving some insulation um, through a government-funded scheme and then doing other things like draft stopping and other very sort of small interventions or providing other things that will help people to keep warmer at home as well. And colleagues of mine have just reported on the three-year outcomes of this scheme and have found you know, huge benefits in reduction of hospitalizations, um, reducing fees by over 19%, reductions in school absences, and increases in incomes as well, and increases in employment rates. So, you know, really the costs of these kind of interventions are paid off very quickly with the range of benefits across a broad spectrum of well-being outcomes when we're investing in people's home environments. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting, isn't it? Because you can see there's a clear benefit and also an economic argument as well. And I guess that's why you need both, don't you, really, to, to put forward a convincing case to, you know, to decision makers, I guess. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think, um, yeah, decision makers can be confident that with this kind of evidence coming through that, you know, this, this is working. And while there is more um, space for more research to be, done to understand the kind of pathways from cold housing to mental health, we can see that these interventions are making a clear difference. Yeah, yeah, thank, thank you. That's really excellent. Thank you. 
I guess it brings us towards the end of, of this podcast. So uh, I just want to take a moment just to thank you very much, Kimberly, for coming along and speaking to us about this topic and also for publishing uh, with evidence-based nursing. Um, it's been fantastic having you in this podcast. And it's been really interesting hearing you talk about your work and it's really reassuring to see all the interest in this area and uh, the level of expertise as well um, that's been um, brought to bear, I guess, on this important issue. I hope the listeners have enjoyed hearing uh, Kimberly talk about her work. I would encourage you all to um, subscribe with the Evidence-Based Nursing Podcast using Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify. And please go check out some of the other podcasts available with the Evidence-Based Nursing and uh, see you soon.